Hello and welcome back for episode 20 of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. And in this episode, uh, we did something pretty cool and we initially recorded this interview on Instagram Live with my guest, Todd Snyder. And uh, it was pretty cool, pretty successful. We did run into a few glitches along the way, so please bear with me as you listen to this episode. Um, I tried to clean it up as best I could to cover for the interruptions and, and lost connections that we had during uh, during the interview. Uh, Dr. Todd Snyder is a leading cosmetic dentist and a lecturer and an author and a serial entrepreneur who does a lot of cool things on the side outside of dentistry, uh, including racing cars, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Dr. Snyder and I talk about a lot of topics in this episode. Uh, you know, we go back to his origin story from you know dental school onwards and how he's progressed in his career, um, how he's become a lecturer, talking about you know restorative material, ceramics, adhesive systems. And uh, he's done a lot of cool things in his career, and I was really excited to talk to him. And he does impart a lot of wisdom uh, to to me, and you know, therefore to the listeners. So I do hope you guys enjoy this episode. Stick to it till the very end. Uh, he does give me a little bit of a sort of a one-to-one advice about potentially opening up a practice. You know, now that I've moved down to Australia, and you know, gives it a lot of really good tips that kind of got me excited and has got me thinking really of how I want to proceed with my career from this point onwards. So uh, we'll jump right into the episode. Uh, please you know, enjoy it and get in touch with me, as always, on Instagram at NubiDentist uh, or on my website at NubiDentist.com if you have any comments or feedback. I always love hearing from the fans of the podcast, and it is uh, something that I really do enjoy. So please get in touch with me if you have any questions uh, and or just to say hi, I would really appreciate it. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omer Azami. Awesome. Okay, so uh, uh, we have uh, Dr. Todd Snyder here. We're doing a sort of a cool new thing today, and... Uh, I stepped in on there. <laughs> I guess you guys saw each other at the conference this week. So, um, so we're going to try it out, do a sort of a live uh, interactive podcast. Um, so we'll do our interview. And if you guys have any question, uh, we can you know, fit it in and, and try and get an answer for you guys. Uh, so uh, Dr. Snyder, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be on today. I'm excited to talk about your journey a little bit. Um, see what you've been up to for the you know, past few years. It seems like you have a lot of uh, stuff on the go. So uh, I'm excited to sort of uh, <laughs> Uh, dive in with dive into that with you. That's what I want to do. So I want to start off. Uh, how I like to start these things off sometimes is uh, if you can just take us back to uh, you're in fourth year of your dental school program, and I want to see sort of uh, your mindset at that time, uh, getting ready to graduate, um, enter the workforce, and uh, you know, in, in my fourth year, you know, the, the whole concentration was get out of school and pass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. but uh, you know, had you asked me in dental school if I was going to you know, be out teaching and writing articles, lecturing, yeah. I, I would have said no way. And every one of my classmates would have said the same. You know, number one fear out there is, you know, public speaking, second being death. Uh, yeah. And here I choose to go out and do public speaking. So I'd say the number one thing is I got a mentor in my second year of dental school, Bruce Christman. Yeah. And uh, he took me under his wing, showed me all kinds of stuff. I would follow him around like a little duck. and. You know, I started to talk like him and act like him to some extent. Yeah. Um, and so fourth year, 
it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to do cosmetic dentistry. I want to do that because it's a lot of fun. It's artistic. And um, so he said, yeah, I'll show you how to do everything. So I was thinking of going to PROS programs and I held off on the PROS programs and said, all right, I'm going to go do a GPR for a year. Yeah. Uh, kind of learn, learn some things. And he said, hey, you know, we'll have you come back and create the graduate program. The graduate program allowed me to create any type of, you know, kind of design concept I wanted for all the technology and thoughts that I felt I needed to be a, a good cosmetic dentist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was great. Um, ultimately knowing that at one point I would have my own office and, and how I was going to get there was kind of an unknown. And yeah. so teach, so getting out of school, doing a residency, getting faster at their skills and then, then starting to say, all right, well, what's next? You know, do I go out in private practice? For me, it wasn't because UCLA said, come on back and teach, create a graduate program. So I did that for three years, did some research while I was there, Yeah, worked under some ama- amazing guys, Bill Dorfman, uh, there in Be- Beverly Hills and a couple other guys that were accredited cosmetic dentists. You know, learned a lot of things and said, all right, after after learning all those things, it's okay, I, I can finally pull the trigger and do my own office. I think I know enough business-wise as well as having done enough dentistry and learned enough that I felt I could pull it off. Yeah. Uh, a bold a bold move to start from scratch, nonetheless. <laughs> and this is in uh, California, right? Like the most saturated <laughs> place you could possibly be. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. When I did my demographic studies, like, well, it's not the best place to be Yeah, not knowing a soul in Orange County and having lived in LA and San Diego Yeah, uh, to open from scratch was not the smartest decision, but it can be done. And there's people still doing it to this day. Yeah. But uh, I, I wouldn't pick a, a highly populated area with tons of <laughs> dentists and six, six dental schools pumping out students every year. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's awesome. So I was uh, I was listening to your talk uh, or your podcast that you did with a Howard friend a couple of, couple of years back, um, and you yeah. mentioned out of school you're like you're lecturing for like product manufacturers. Like, how did like all these opportunities sort of fall into your lap? You know, it's a ripple effect. You throw the pebble in the lake, and it uh, you know ripples eventually hit the shore. Yeah. So when I was at UCLA, I took um, ceramic classes from Ed McLaren and other people out at Vita, which is in Brea. Um, and so having done that, they then asked me if I could do some of the lectures for them to like, let's say Lab Day West or yeah. ceramics. And mm-hmm. so I started doing ceramic lectures. So I could stack porcelain, I could do different types of, you know, ceramic systems around the market back then that we don't use much anymore. Yeah. But uh, I, I would go with a different perspective. Hey, I'm a dentist. This is what I want and how I would choose it. But I also reduced the two structure a certain way to give the lab technician more ability to do their job better having known how to stack porcelain, what goes into it. And so they sent me around and mm. someone from there jumped ship and went over to Kerr, which is right here in orange. And they mm. said, Hey, Snyder does a great job. And so I, I started doing stuff with Kerr and then someone leaves Kerr and goes to GC or GC talked to me for some other reason. And it's like, now I'm over there. And then as incestuous as it is, you know, everyone keeps jumping ship and everyone <laughs> continues, continues to say, Hey, bring Snyder. Or, yeah. you know, then people start seeing articles or hearing lectures and saying, Hey, let's talk to this guy. Um, and so that progressed and then eventually it came to the point where I was getting enough opportunities in lecturing it was getting difficult to, to kind of get the, the honorarium dollars from the manufacturers. Cause it was, it's a lot of work to continue to put yourself out there and, and it's like a second job. Yeah. So for, fortunately I met, uh, Lou Graham and the catapult group, uh, at one of the round tables for Kerr yeah. and. He took me, took me to, you know, aside and said, hey, we got this group. There's a bunch of key opinion leaders. Love to have you be a part of it. And so with them, they kind of are the middleman between myself and conventions and things where they will discuss what lecture, when it's to be done, and how I get compensated. So that took a lot off my plate and continues to open doors to allow me to do more things. That's pretty cool. And uh, 
So when you start lecturing for these kind of things, um, as a, so you just, you did your GPR and then you started doing this. Um, where did you have that like credibility that like you're like you know what I amongst like all these specialists I'm gonna show up here and I'm gonna like be the one lecturing these people like how did that confidence come how did that um, where did that credibility come from like that was that built like through through the years or you just had that like fake it till you make it mentality and kind of just started doing your thing <laughs> and it eventually like <laughs> eventually got where you got got to now. Well, you know, they're, they're obviously not going to, you know, nobody's going to pick you up unknown and say, hey, let's put you on the uh, the stage and let you be the key opinion leader yeah. to talk to all these people. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So you have to do something over time. And so for me, it was, okay, proving yourself to little, you know, groups of laboratory technicians that eventually became, hey, can you do some study clubs for us talking about just simple adhesion and composite, which, you know, we're all taught in that in dental school. Yeah. And so you, you start out probably fairly crude, similar to what you learned in school. And as you learn more and see more, maybe read some research, you start to formulate kind of your own kind of process uh, as to how you approach adhesion uh, based on fundamental research. And that may continue to grow and you start, you know, adding in other elements of Mm -hmm. um, common practice, let's say. And as that continues to grow and you get better at your craft, they say, hey, well, by the way, you've, you've done great with lecture on composite for us. Can you can you do provisionals and impressions? Yeah. It's like, OK, sure. So, <laughs> so then you start taking then you start yeah. taking photos of that. And then it's like, all right, well, what else could you do? It's like, well, I like glass ionomer. It's like, OK, well, lecture on glass ionomer then. Yeah. Um, and as you start getting all these different components and building things together and trying to make something that's interesting, eventually you get to the point of going, all right, I've done enough stuff. I can tie it together instead of being like an hour lecture. Now I've got enough content. I can do a three hour or four hour or maybe a six hour. And yeah. so you continue to grow yourself and learn as you're going through the process. It's the same as an amalgam, you know, <laughs> dental school is three, three hours doing amalgam. Yeah. You know, uh, it still takes so me three hours. Like lecture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, you know, it takes time to learn how to do things and there's not yeah. like someone who teaches you necessary. There are some organizations out there now that you can take. I mm-hmm. took Toastmasters and uh, Carnegie's program. That's interesting. I've and been looking into that actually, the Toastmasters, uh, to improve like you know your speaking skills, your engagement skills, and all that. So is that something that uh, you start off right off the bat, or like down the line you kind of got into it a little bit? Here's one of the biggest tips I'll tell. Yes, any Brian, will student, be. <laughs> any dental student coming out, biggest thing I can tell you, it's not how much dentistry you know. It's not how good you can do the dentistry. The most important thing you need to look at is how good can you talk to a patient yeah. and get get them motivated to move forward and to be comfortable talking to people and to be confident talking to people. If yeah. you have confidence and you can talk, that's huge. So the first thing I would tell anyone is don't go run out there and try and get your mastership in AGD and feel that, oh, if I get that mastership, everyone, every patient's going to come running to me because I'll be a great dentist. It yeah. makes no difference. It's a wonderful accolade to have, but you need to learn how to talk. Go out and take Carnegie. Take Toastmasters because the one thing it's going to do for you is going to help you in your business. It's going to also help you get more patients in the door by going out and talking. If you want to go to Rotary, Kiwanis, et cetera, and do presentations for 10, 15 minutes, yeah. you'll get more patients out of it. The second thing I would tell you to look at is look at how to advertise. If you can figure out a way that advertises for your niche market or your personality, whatever that may be, yeah. if you can do that well, that will also set you up. I know plenty of dentists that are not good at their craft but they kill it because they're great at talking and advertising. People love them and listen to them. Yeah. And they, you know, they have such charisma that you know they could sell anything. 
So I'm not condoning doing bad work, but yeah. hey, if you have those, if you have those two components and you do good work, well, now you're gold. Yeah, the game's and, easy and so at that point. Can, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the thing I would focus on coming out of school. Is I would say forget learning how to do all the dentistry and um, putting an emphasis on it. And I 100% agree with that. And that's what, I mean, I'm just starting out myself and uh, like, it's not like I have like a lot of experience to uh, lie back on, but I tell people, I'm like, uh, especially when I talk to dental students, like case acceptance, case acceptance, like get comfortable talking, get comfortable presenting. Because like you said, if you can take all the CE and everything in the world and you can do the best clinical procedures. Uh, but if, if you don't know how to like get to the point where you're actually doing that kind of dentistry that you want to be doing, um, it's never going to be as good, right? You're never going to get the opportunity to actually do it. So um, another thing I wanted to ask you in the same uh, area here is obviously like you seems like you someone who had naturally had that confidence in talking and communicating as well, um, that you had some innate like ability in it. Um, and a lot of people do, and some people unfortunately don't, but how much of it was you knew you're comfortable and good at doing this. And then you still went and did Toastmasters and did all that to get hone it a little bit, or do you think you there naturally have it and you kind of did all this stuff and, and then you acquired those skills? I think it's like anything you acquired over time. You yeah. know, I, there's definitely people that are just that way. I was not the outgoing, talkative, confident guy running around in high school or college. I was always kind of the quiet one, kind of watching everything, learning, taking it all in. Yeah. And when it was time for me to do something, I would do it. Yeah. And, and I'm still that way in many regards. And so you definitely get more comfortable. I mean, I can remember having to give a lecture and just be scared, you know, really scared to be, yeah. you know, what am I going to say? Am I going to do things right? You know, you know, and you'd get done and you'd be on a high. You'd be like, oh my gosh, that was cool. I pulled yeah. it off and, you know, things went well. And nowadays it's, it's like no big deal. It's like, okay, you want me to talk? No problem. So I don't get the high anymore. I don't get the <laughs> nervousness. Now, if, if Kristen, Gordon Christensen sit in the front row or something, but yeah, I will yeah. get nervous <laughs> if I've got someone like that there. Yeah. But yeah. for the most part, I don't get nervous anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those things you just, you get very comfortable. If something goes wrong, it's like, whatever, you know, we'll fix it. Versus in the past, we're like, oh my God, something's not right. And, you know, so you definitely get confidence with time. It's yeah. like anything. And uh, go back That's to the true. amalgam. You get confidence. Like, oh, I can put yeah. amalgam in there, no problem. <laughs> um, That's great. So yeah, that, that, anyone can get that with time. And then yeah. the same with being comfortable in the dental office, doing anything on the planet, you will get comfortable with time. Yeah, with time. You got to put the, put the work in and be be patient. Um, so another exactly. thing, that another theme that I've, I, I've been exploring a lot with a lot of guests lately uh, is that mentorship. And you touched on that yourself uh, a bit earlier. Um, you found a good mentor when you're in uh, second year of dental school and kind of like took you under his wing and, and showed you the way a little bit. Um, so for those of us who are out there and we're looking for that mentorship right now, uh, what tips or recommendations do you have for people for uh, reaching out to people uh, you know, who are in a position? Uh, so for example, like, uh, Instagram is so obviously popular and a lot of the strong dental community on there. So if we're looking for that mentorship and for example, we come across your page, um, how do you how would you recommend someone approach someone like you and be like, listen, I want to get into, for example, cosmetic dentistry. I'm a big fan of, you know, the way you're doing your, uh, what you're doing right now. How can I work with you? How can I, um, get that mentorship from you? How, how do you, what recommendations do you have or suggestions do you have for people in that situation? Well, I think if you can't have someone locally that you can kind of watch over their shoulder, yeah. then the next, the next best thing is, if you can create a dialogue that you can maybe send cases back and forth and have at least in a, a discussion or, you know, live, you know, interaction, you know, via cell phone, whatever. Yeah. Um, or in, in my case, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully <laughs> going to start with all my other stuff, start recording some videos this year. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And, and posting more content on Instagram in the, in the story as mm-hmm. far as how to do things. 
Yeah. And I'm not going to cl- clutter my, my, I don't know what you call it, my page or whatever with, with a bunch of how to do's. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'll definitely put stuff up in the storyboards and maybe links to the videos and put those online. And I, you know, I own a, a website company. So I think there's probably a way that I'll be putting it on my, my webpage for people to go to because I do have all my articles there typically. Yeah. Uh, so I figure I'll just start bolstering it with more information. And maybe at some point I make it such that it's, you know, like some kind of subscription thing for you know, 20 bucks a month or something. Yeah. So it's worth my time to do it because I get asked all the time to do stuff. And it's like, yeah. I can't do everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, so how long did you work before you uh, opened up your first practice? Uh, I got out in 94 and uh, I built this office in 2000. So 94, 95 was in my residency. 95, 98 was teaching at UCLA. Uh, 98 to 2000 was working in private practice and still doing research at UCLA. Yeah. Um, but I knew I wanted to do my own thing and just push came to shove. And I was like, it's time to go make some money and do it my way. Yeah. Uh, bullheaded kind of to run out and do <laughs> it. But, but you know, it, I knew it could work. There's plenty of room for another dentist. It just depends yeah. on what you're offering. And so and, my niche is different. Yeah. And so when, you, when you're working as an associate, were you working at a high answer of cosmetic practice as well or you're kind of just doing general dentistry um and then you're like this is not what i want to do i want to do more high-end sort of thing and then kind of went that way with it you know you have to put in the time somewhere you know so i worked in two three three dental offices privately owned that Mm -hmm. were on hmos and ppos and whatnot they give me the scut scut work and you know you kind of learn how to deal with that for a while in my case being somewhat (laughs) stubborn uh, some places I'd last three months, some I may last six or seven months. <laughs> yeah. And either they blow, they, either they blow me out or I leave them. Yeah. But I, I think, and t- I was talking to my wife, I think I've been fired from just about every dental job other than like two uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I was stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lie to a patient. I wouldn't put in bad dentistry. If, if the dentist wanted me to deliver their crown, it was lousy. I would just say, you know what, you need to go back and see that doctor. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, after a while in most offices, it was kind of obvious that this guy needs to go do his own thing. He, he needs his own place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I noticed so, uh, you have but, a lot of uh, like obviously side projects and like side hustles and stuff that you got going on as well. Um, obviously from your interview with uh, Dr. Fran, you mentioned you have like that web development website. Um, you're into like racing cars. Uh, so you're doing a lot of stuff outside of dentistry. When did that, all that stuff kind of start happening for you? Cause I think a problem that I'm ha- personally having is I want to do that stuff too. And I'm, I'm trying to, get into like creating businesses and um, you know, becoming a lecturer and doing all this stuff, but I'm just starting my dental career too. So I'm like, it's a tricky balance of like, I need to improve as a clinician, but also like put time towards these things that I want to be working on. So when did that come for you? When did that period of your like clinical life come that, you know, I'm comfortable. I've got my practice going, things are going well. Let me branch out now and like work with some like web developers and build something or let me start racing cars. Uh, well, like where, when did you get that comfort zone that you start to branch out a little bit? Well, obviously time management is important. So yeah. early on in a career, if you bought an office, if you built an office, you have to focus on that. And, um, you know, once that is, is up and running well enough, then you can start concentrating on other things because you don't want to try and juggle too many things and have them all fall apart. Yeah. So once, once the office was up and running and, uh, we're a couple of years into it and it's, you know, it's making a nice, you know, income on it, then it's all right. What do I want to do next? And I love business and dentistry allowed me to do more business. So it's like, okay, yeah. what do I want to do? So, so inventing little things became the next aspect as well as I was already lecturing. But, um, so it's like, Hey, I could, I could make something that would make my life easier for this. And so mm-hmm. I would invent it. Uh, or, 
I'd look at something that could be made out of a plastic that was easy to fabricate as opposed to a metal or something with electronics. Yeah. So I, I've always kind of always kind of tinkered and looked for things. So I've come up with a couple things over time, and then it was like, all right, some things in the dental industry that I didn't like. Uh, I felt I was getting taken advantage of by certain, you know, like website software companies that make claims uh, that they're working on your website when truly most of them aren't. Yeah. And. And so I was like, okay, well, if you're truly working for me, show me what you're doing and yeah. uh, to, just, to justify what I'm paying every month. And most of them will tell you, we can't tell you, but uh, it's proprietary. <laughs> we don't want you stealing our secret sauce. Yeah. So yeah. As, as I learned more and more outside of dentistry from guys that are in the website industry, uh, I started you know, learning a little bit about code and what goes on and that, you know, most, most of the time, not much is being done. So, so that became the next company. It's like, all right, I'm going to talk to some guys. I want to create a software company when you build websites. And so, we built a company that, you know, was being used not in dentistry, but just out in the regular world to build websites. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, we said, okay, let's build a different model. And so the newer model was let's build a new tool to build websites that agencies could use. And so that's where it's at currently. So like a higher end sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then it became, all right, what do I want to do next? And so I've got some other irons in the, irons in the fire as far as some cool, uh, yeah. virtual reality, altered reality stuff that we've been working on for a while. And as connections happen and you're meeting people, you start tying other companies and other businesses together and you come up with other ideas. So it's, mm-hmm. it's fun to kind of tie things together. And so from there, you know, you, you go, all right, well, I love having fun surfing, racing, mountain bikes, whatever. <laughs> and so then you start going, all right, well, now I got money and I want to go do some fun <laughs> stuff. And so yeah. you start tying those in. Get some sports uh, so really guys. <laughs> tying, yeah. So, so time management becomes very important. You got to mm-hmm. learn how to juggle things well. Yeah. Uh, and then next thing you know, you're married with a kid and you got to juggle more. Yeah. Well, that's, the, <laughs> that's the real stuff starts happening. Um, yeah. so what tips do you have for, uh, obviously like, obviously a lot of the listeners to this podcast are like new, newer dentists, younger dentists. Um, and many of them are like me. I've been working for about a year now, uh, working in different offices. Uh, so for many people who are working right now, uh, working just an associate position, not necessarily, uh, working in the ideal practice environment that they want to be working in down the line. Um, not doing like the type of dentistry they want to be doing um, or necessarily like that the, they're doing the high end stuff maybe that they want to do. What uh, actionable tips do you have for people who want to start transitioning that way in their, in their practicing life? Like what decisions do they have to make? Uh, what CEs like the highest value or uh, biggest like ROI that you, that you've seen or you would recommend for this kind of thing? I'm sorry, you cut out just a little bit there. So the, what's the biggest return on investment or biggest uh, thing that uh, someone that's young in someone else's office, how would they approach? Exactly. Trying to yeah get themselves into a better environment or get themselves into an environment where this like they're doing the type of dentistry that they want to be doing ultimately. Well, obviously, if you're in an office that's not allowing you to do any of that or doesn't have the ability, it's, it's, not, it's not the type of patient base that would even want that maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then I would certainly, in my spare time, be looking for a different different place of employment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, you know, AACD did a survey and that 50% of the patients coming to your practice want something done cosmetically to their smile, and three out of five are willing to pay for it. The problem is most people don't take the time because of insurance constraints or too many patients in the schedule to actually mm-hmm. sit and talk to each patient about what could be done. So, again, going back to learn how to speak, uh, from like a Dale Carnegie or Toastmasters and talk to yeah. your patients. I, I think the, you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't have the time to talk to patients because the insurance reimburses me at such a low level for an exam. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care if they give me zero. 
I'm going to spend half an hour, an hour, because I know if I talk to enough patients, I'm going to find gold in there. Yeah. You know? and, and that and that's just a different model, maybe, but it works. And so then if you go, all right, I talked to enough patients, I found enough cosmetic dentistry, I can do that. And I can start doing less of the insurance based stuff mm-hmm. and not have to worry about reimbursement. And then it's just a matter of how can I help the patient get financed to get what they want. Yeah. And do you have, uh, so what's like a workflow, like a typical workflow? So a new patient comes into your, exam, into your uh, practice. Um, are you doing like full photos and then sitting down with them later? Or do you just, at this point in your career, got that comfort zone where you just like kind of walk in um, and you just have that conversation off the bat? Or do you, do you have some like work up that you do before you go in so you can present something to the patient? You know, it kind of depends on what type of patient it is. So if they're coming in as a new patient and they're coming in for normal restorative dentistry, yeah. It, it's going to be a little different approach. You know, they fill out the paper at the front desk, they come in and sit down in the, in the, the operatory, and I do my full hour of, of basically examination. So my assistant takes x-rays, you know, I use my carry view, I use mm-hmm. my canary, I have a lot of discussion, we evaluate the TMJs. I do so many things that most den- or most patients, I should say, have never seen. They're yeah. usually blown away, like no one's done any of these things before. <laughs> Even a simple, you know, like an oral cancer exam where you're just looking and feeling, it's like nobody does that. Like, yeah, yeah they do. They're all taught in dental school. <laughs> um, so, so that's, you know, a basic one. But, but most people say an hour for an exam. Like, yeah, I do a lot of stuff. Do I mm-hmm. take models and photos at that appointment? Uh, I do take photos of every single tooth, but I do it with an intro camera so it's quick and easy. Yeah. I don't get my big 35 millimeter out and start doing retracted photos and taking models or anything. Okay. Um, I know I know some people talk about that, but I, I've done enough that I, I've, I've got their confidence. They know that they're in a great place. Mm-hmm. And if they need something that I've evaluated, then I'll talk to them about that further and we'll do that at another point in time. Yeah. Because um, then they're, they're going to go to hygiene after that. That's another hour in my office. So the two hours they've spent in my office, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, versus if they come in on a cosmetic consult, you know, they sit down in the chair and I sit down and just, we have a nice long discussion for as long as they want to talk about their problem. And then I finally get behind the chair, lean them back and look in their mouth. And after having done that, then I will take photos of everything yeah. and we'll sit and look at their, their case on a monitor and I'll spend a good hour, sometimes an hour and a half talking to some about what we can do for them and looking at prior cases. So you got to have a camera, to share other work you've done. Um, mm. and, and that hour, hour and a half, nobody usually takes that kind of time to talk to someone. No. You know, they go to, yeah. a con- they go to a consult. It's like a five, 10 minute. Go, yeah, we can do veneers. We can do them today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and here's some, here's some photos of two cases I did. And it's on their cell phone. They're showing their cell phone photos. Yeah. So instantly the confidence a patient gets from someone who is, you know, can show them work they've done, can explain it and talk a lot about it and really spend a lot of time and truly care for the patient and want to help them, I think goes a long way. And I think that's one of the things that really stands me apart from maybe the other consults they have and from some of the feedback I get from patients that allows me to do a lot of cosmetic dentistry is just because of the way I approach it versus just, yeah, it's quick money. I put veneers on everything. Yeah. Um, I, I try and get inside their head and figure out what they want and try and communicate that I'm going to give them what they want. And then you got that emotional attachment of you know touching on the shoulder, touching on the elbow, and telling them I'm take great care, great care of them. Um, so there's a lot of those touch points that come again from <laughs> Carnegie, those yeah. answers. Yeah, <laughs> goes back to the basics. And so when you're first starting out, uh, after you've done your uh, GPR and you're working in these offices, um, 
where uh, where'd you get that confidence like with the patients trusting you because I, I know like for myself like I'm, I'm not even that young but like, i'll still get the odd comment of like oh how, how old are you like how long have you been doing this for kind of thing so yeah. if you're gonna be in there like okay let's do like this like thirty thousand dollar like veneer case like uh and they'll look at you like like have you been like <laughs> so like where does yeah. that come from like where did that you still have to just get lucky on the first few kind of and, and get a few under your belt to get that confidence going and then you can like have like a like a uh, portfolio to like show patients. Um, so I guess like that first big case, I think is like hurdle that some people never get to in their career because they just like, stick doing their, you know, quadrant dentistry. Um, and they never go into that full mouth kind of, uh, space. Well, I feel the progression is you learn how to do adhesive dentistry, direct composites in the back of the mouth, and you'll yeah. do some direct bonding in the front. And then you start doing maybe some ceramic inlays, onlays or ceramic crowns. You start to get comfortable with indirect bonding, uh, yeah. indirect bonding of, of restorations. And that basically is the same type of you know adhesion you're going to do in the front of the mouth, whether it be crowns or veneers. So once you're comfortable with that, then it becomes all right. Depending on the practice you're in, I, you know the two first offices I was in, I never had to do any anterior cosmetic stuff. It, you know maybe a composite class three, class four was about it. Yeah. Uh, so getting getting to the next offices, it was like yeah, you know I, I do some cosmetic dentistry. I get lucky. I get a couple of patients, and they want something done. Mm-hmm. And you get lucky in the beginning, or maybe you're fortunate enough the dentist that you work with gives you one, uh, or you know. However you get it, you get lucky. Yeah. And so obviously you're nervous. You, you know, it's like the first time you do an amalgam in clinic. Yeah. And, you know, think, things take longer and you may get frustrated. And, you know, patients can sense if you're frustrated. They can see it in your face, your personality, how you're talking to them, whatever. Mm-hmm. So learn learn really quickly how to hide that, take it off your shoulder or sleeve. Yeah. Because uh, I wasn't good at I was not good at that in the beginning. And so people are like, man, he's pissed. I'm like, he's not pissed at the patient. They feel you're pissed at them. It's like, no, I'm frustrated with myself. Yeah. Because I can't get it to be where I want it to be at. And uh, so as soon as you start doing a few of those, you learn like anything. You learn from a mistake mm-hmm. and you say, Okay, I won't do that again. Or you go, you know what, that went so much faster this time because I did it this way. Okay, yeah. so I'm gonna do it that way in the future. And and after you've done a, you know, a few of them, you get comfortable. And that confidence and comfort starts to grow over time. And just like public speaking, you eventually go, yeah, no problem. We can do that. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's, that's kind of how it happened. It is just slow over time. Yeah. You know, that's, awesome. like anything. that's perfect. Yeah. Cause I think that's a big problem for like a lot of us um, having that, you know, we need that first lucky case to kind of someone walks in the door saying like, well, I want like four veneers and you're like, okay, sweet. Like I don't have to do much for that. So uh, yeah. I think once you, yeah, once you get a few of those under your belt and you get that, get that bit of confidence, um, and, and then you're sort of off to the races that way. And uh, what well, about technology? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll stop you for one other second. I'll yeah. say, you know, the other thing is that you were saying being at a young age, I came, I came out of school, I just turned 25. So I did wow. three years of dental, yeah. or, sorry, three years of college, didn't yeah. graduate college, and then did four years at UCLA. And so I was very young looking. Yeah. And so I would, I wear, I wear a suit every day for like the first, I don't know, 10, 12 years of my career. Really? Uh, to make me look older, like I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And, and to some extent, glasses. You know, like uh, instead of wearing my contacts, I wear my glasses just to try and make things look better. And I still was yeah. really young and I got it all the time. Yeah. But, you know, I pigeonholed myself by calling my practice, you know, a, a cosmetic aesthetic type of, you know, name. It wasn't just Dr. Snyder. And yeah. so people would call me thinking that that's all I did. And I would have to tell them that I do regular dentistry, too. Yeah. Uh, because a lot, of, a lot of times they thought that's all I did, which was great to pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. But also you realize that. That people weren't coming to you maybe because they didn't think you did regular dentistry, so they weren't calling. Mm-hmm. So you know, double-edged sword there. But uh, oh, there was one other thing I was going to go with uh, as far as the, the age and the, the learning. But I 
slipped my mind now. But yeah, the def definitely, you know, dressing the part. Oh, I know what it was. Is okay. So patients have no idea of me being a cosmetic dentist versus anyone else on the planet that just, you know, whether they just got out yesterday at school or someone's been out 40 years that claims in their website cosmetic dentist. Yeah. You know, and, and so they have no idea for the most yeah. part. <laughs> yeah. To some extent, yeah. I mean, there's wonderful programs like the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, you yeah. know, where I got my accreditation fellowship and it's a great accolade, but most patients mm -hmm. don't know what that is. Yeah. Some have taken enough time to research it and know what it is and they seek you out. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're working currently on a diplomat board where, you know, cosmetic dentistry will be a recognized specialty. And oh, when that yeah. happens, patients still probably won't know for many, <laughs> many years that, you know, especially. So you kind of have to hold that out there on your own. So yeah. you can claim to do cosmetic dentistry and be a cosmetic dentist the same as I can or anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so when a patient's perception is if you're wearing that suit, and you've got the confidence and you can tell them you, you do it. Yeah. You, can, you got it. Walk the walk, talk yeah. the talk. <laughs> Is the theme of this episode is the fake it till you make it. So <laughs> that's great. And uh, okay, so that's, that's a lot of good stuff that is talked about here with the cosmetic dentistry stuff that we want to get into. And uh, so with the ASCD, what's the pathway like now um, if someone wants to get that accreditation under the belt just for their own sake or even just uh, for the marketing side of things down the line to have that credential? Um, is it sort of like you just have to, like the AGD where you just take a certain number of hours and it kind of goes towards it? Or... So the pathway, um, yeah, the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, they do a great job of providing content, you know, to go to their annual meeting. You can do a ton of hands-on. I'm doing two hands-on programs in, uh, uh, what is it, April back in Chicago, and we're doing anterior composite, but you can take composite courses and veneer courses, and, and they really set you up to succeed. They give you photography courses. Yeah. And so having taken enough, well, however many courses you want to take and wherever you want to take them, the pathway is you take a written exam yeah. uh, that, that pro proves your knowledge and having, you know, accomplished that you have to turn in five cases and then they go through, you know, the different cases that basically would show that you can accomplish, you know, freehand composite bonding as well as small diastomas and class fours, mm -hmm. veneers, crowns and implants and or bridges. Yeah. And, and they, they teach you all those and they teach you the things they look for and it's, tiny details that they're looking for. And that's what I think sets a good cosmetic dentist apart is to learn all the little things that make a tooth really look believable. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, like anything, at first you, you slap composite and then someone starts talking about line angles and imbrication lines and paracamata and, you know, all these different things you're going to be, what? Yeah. And, and so it takes, you know, it takes a few years to learn all those, but also to be comfortable in fabricating all these different things. Mm -hmm. And when, once you get to a point where you're comfortable with those, then you can start doing that and start applying for your accreditation. And, you know, they give you all the tools. There's no reason why you, there's no one out there that can't become accredited. They put the time in. Uh, it's not just learning it, but you got to spend the time after hours in the office practicing on extracted teeth or ivorines. It's yeah. not just getting one or two patients a month that you practice on. You got to practice regularly. And you listen to Newton Fall or, or even myself, you know, we'd sit around doing stuff in the lab after hours. Yeah. And I still do stuff after hours. I still do wax ups and things. So it, it's always trying to keep your hands busy at the art of creating a tooth. Yeah. So what I was saying is, like you mentioned, the amount of work that you guys are putting in, uh, you know, like on extracted teeth or on like typodonts. Um, and that kind of stuff is like lost on a lot of people because we show up on Instagram and we see these pages and everyone's doing like all this amazing work. And like, we don't necessarily see the work that went into it beforehand, like 
to hone the skill. Um, so it's interesting that you mentioned that. I think that's an important point not to lose because I don't think many of us are doing that, uh, putting in that work. We just think it's going to come naturally or come easy for us. Yeah, yeah, that that is a common uh, misconception. There's a lot of time that's been put behind stuff. And, you know, honestly, most people are probably showing all their best work. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and some of that work takes a long time. You know, <laughs> some of those bonding cases, those are hours to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, six, eight, ten composite bondings. It's yeah. not like, yeah, I knocked that out in half an hour. Here's another one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I, I think, uh, you know, again, Bonding and wax ups, I think those teach you the most as far as hand skill. Yeah. Uh, and let's face it, most people don't spend the time to do that. And sure. that's where you can get really good. Versus, you know, a lot of people can do veneers and or crowns. And so long as you've done proper, you know, tissue management and proper preparation design for the laboratory, yeah. you know, they can make you look great. Yeah. Um, where I see that interesting is if you can get away with taking a very minimal amount of two structure off, you know, three tenths of a millimeter, mm-hmm. uh, and rotate a two and add some porcelain and make it look amazing and have good function. Now that becomes challenging because anybody can, you know, cut a tooth down to like three quarters of its size and slap yeah. a pressed ceramic on and say, Hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I see those all the time and I don't consider that good dentistry. It's like, if you destroy that much tooth to fix the problem, yeah. um, versus something that was more conservative save the tooth yeah that's pretty cool so the final things i want to sort of get into with you is uh like technology obviously there's a lot of stuff coming all the time uh like the 3d printing's coming uh obviously like the digital impressions and scanning and, and milling have been around for a little bit longer uh lasers as well uh what kind of stuff are you using on a day-to-day basis that uh, you think have been pretty pretty valuable for you oh there's a lot of different things I, you know obviously you got to have loops yeah you got to have you know, computers, I would say nowadays, if you're a young dentist coming out, don't buy x-ray heads for every room. Don't buy computers for every room. Um, nowadays with technology, it's nice. You can buy a tablet and move it from room to room. So you're not doing expenditures. You can buy one Cavo Nomad, uh, portable x-ray that you can move anywhere in the practice. You could buy a single digital sensor that attaches to that tablet. You could get a single intraoral camera. Yeah. And uh, I, I think a carry view. Anyone who doesn't have a carry view is just, <laughs> I don't know, missing out. Yeah. You know, for for six, for I think it's about five, six thousand dollars. The amount of dentistry that thing finds pays for itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally in a week or two, t- it's crazy. Yeah. So you want to make money, get, grab one of those too. So you could literally start an office from scratch in literally a one or two chair office, fairly inexpensively compared to what it used to be. And so those technologies say you've got to have. From there. You know, you got to have your handpiece. I, I prefer electrics for everything because yeah. of the way you can tune them. But from there, you know, diode laser, you can get an AMD diode laser very inexpensively. Um, uh, but you can get $1,000 off from, you know, mentioning you're in one of my programs. It's uh, CE Snyder 18. So, you know, to instantly get, you know, $1,000 off of, what is it, a $4,000 laser, you just save 25%. That's pretty good. Got to have one of those. Yeah. So going into technology, yes, I've had two intraoral scanners. I take back three. Uh, I sent two of them back. I still have the CareStream 3600, which is very fast, great product. Yeah. Um, but none of them manage tissue, blood, and saliva. So you still have to manage all those. So um, the ability for a technology to come out that looks through all those, that'll be a game changer. And I would spend you know a fair amount of money for one of those devices. But um, I'm still doing, for the most part, Traditional impression materials for my cases. Yeah. Um, I've got articulators. I think I've got like 12 articulators that I use on a regular basis. Um, what other technology? I've got 
you know, big old CO2 lasers. I already mentioned the diodes. Yeah. Um, I don't have any, t- I've, you know, I've got porcelain furnaces. I've got indirect resin furnaces. I've got pressure pots. I've got a wax up, you know, mm-hmm. instrument. Yeah. Um, I've got all those goodies in the lab, but, um, I, I don't have like a, a CAD cam device. Okay. I don't have printers. But my rationale for those is live video pause request. I was talking about, you know, some of these CAD CAM type devices. Yeah. You know, when I was teaching at UCLA, we were helping them develop software for the veneers um, back in the late 90s. Yeah. They kicked me out again. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Um, I'm just going to keep talking regardless of it's videotaping. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think they're great. If I was in a practice where I was someplace that I couldn't get a quick turnaround time from the lab or um, I needed something that, you know, I just didn't have a ceramist that could make something for me that looked great in a timely fashion, whatever. I could see buying one of those. Yeah. My, my look at it from a business sense is the expenditure on it is fairly large. So if I'm spending a hundred, dollars $120,000, how long does it take me to recoup back that investment? Plus the cost of all the dongle fees and, you know, burr fees and block fees and my time to sit there and, um, fabricate something playing lab technician so to speak yeah that you know you know that part is taking time away from working with other patients now if you have that time because you're not you know seeing a lot of patients or something then that's great but i see is if i can go get a a crown for a hundred dollars you know for the back of the mouth well how many hundred dollar crowns do i have to buy to pay for that you know cad cam type of system yeah for sure um so, so i look at it that way but then again if i'm putting inlays and onlays in everybody's mouths you know, and getting a lot out of it, that's great. You know, you're, you're paying it down sooner, but cost effectiveness, I think, as far as return on investment, I can spend more time using inexpensive impression material going, you know, patient to patient, sending more stuff to my lab and letting them do their expert t- expertise. And I can spend more time making money in the patient's mouth and doing other things uh, or taking that $120,000 and investing it in some other type of business venture and making a, a faster profit on my money. Uh, it's kind of how I approach it. But if I had multiple dentists working for me or, or um, you know, numerous people that could use it that's sharing the expenditure, then yeah. I'd say it makes even more sense for me. Overhead worthwhile, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing because uh, something that I want to try and get into because, you know, with the whole uh, biomimetic dentistry or like minimally invasive dentistry, um, going more towards like onlays and everything like that, um, I think it'd be nice to have that because it's going to be hard to like, uh, you know, put a temporary on that for a couple of weeks, get the patient back um get to stay on kind of thing for a lot of cases um so maybe a like nicer workflow to have that cat cam or Sarek in the office to do those kind of things um like you said though if it makes sense financially and if it's if you have enough uh patience for it to fulfill that um so just to wrap up here uh, dr snyder i obviously thought we went through a lot of great stuff a lot of uh, valuable information um is there anything else that you want to mention uh, obviously you got a lot of stuff that you're working on um you have anything upcoming that uh, you want the listeners to uh know about well, there's two. Well, yeah, there's probably two different things. Uh, one, uh, the company known as Ingenious. Uh, it's spelled N G E N Y S. Ingenious.com. Uh, they are using a platform to fabricate websites now in the dental industry. Okay. Uh, they've been working outside of dentistry for large companies and other uh, agencies and things, but they're yeah. coming into dentistry. Uh, guns blazing, so to speak. They're going to change the way uh, websites are are being um, performing, number one, but also holding someone accountable. So right now where you can't see what's been done to your website, 
to determine, you know, like a monthly expenditure, you yeah. know, the, the website manufacturers say, Hey, we, you know, you pay us 300 bucks a month so that we can do your website. And it's like, well, what are they doing for the 300 bucks a month? They won't tell you this company. will show you minute by minute, hour by hour, everything they're doing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you know exactly what you're paying for, but also I think you'll find that their results are far better than many of the other companies out there. So that's one cool thing that I just announced in Chicago, yeah. um, that, that people might want to take a look at. The other thing uh, is this altered reality, uh, which becomes great for those doing cosmetic dentistry mm-hmm. in that um, the ability for someone to see themselves like in a Snapchat or, um, you know, one of these altered reality kind of things where you can put ears or dog ears on your head and, yeah, yeah. and stick your tongue out and your tongue comes <laughs> out like a dog. You know, this yeah. type of altered reality, as it's called, has come into dentistry. And so oh, Iva Clark unveiled it. Yeah, wow. Iva Clark unveiled it in Chicago where you can hold an iPad in front of your face and smile. And when your teeth are apparent, it sees that. It shows you some teeth. And you can change right now. they got three different like libraries of teeth that you could drop on. Wow. You can change the whiteness. You can change the width and length, the amount of vertical display. That's so crazy. very clever. It's not available yeah. for sale, but they showed it there. It's coming, though. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. So if you had that in your office for the 50% of people that want to do something and you hold that up and show them instantly, mm-hmm. that may convert a lot of patients. Instead of doing you know traditional cosmetic mock-ups through imaging that takes some time, mm-hmm. this may be a fast, quick solution. What I think could be interesting about this is with followers on Instagram, with all of us you know showing cases on Instagram and getting people all over the planet to come to our offices. Yeah. If there's a way that we can have them see themselves like through virtual like consults or something. Yeah, exactly. A virtual yeah. consult like um, mm-hmm. Dr. Brian Harris is doing yeah. out of Arizona. And uh, he's got his website that people can go there and uh, you know find a dentist close by to do a virtual consult. So if we could send out a little widget to someone who wants to do a consult and they have the ability to see themselves, that becomes a very powerful tool to get someone to come to your office That's to so change cool. their smile because they awesome. can see yeah. it emotionally, get that attachment. Yeah. Um, and the company that out here, this ingenious, they're tied into another company uh, that does altered reality and virtual reality. And we were looking at doing something totally different, uh, but similar. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how these two different products come forward, because I'm really excited to, to see how we can implement these for people that aren't coming into the office that yeah. want that immediate gratification and the immediate consultation. Uh, it, it's going to fill that niche, I think, real quickly. That's so cool. So that's another thing yeah. that I think people are going to see. And, and that's where I'm going to start posting more in my stories about some of the cool new things that are coming out or things that I'm doing. Because um, I, I love sharing, and that's why one of the reasons I lecture. If yeah, anyone's gone sure. to my lecture, I share a lot of content. So yeah. uh, things that make my business run well is, is what I share, and it's things that I implement. So uh, I think I'll, I'll be sharing more of those very soon. That's super cool. And I think it's uh, it's a great time for a new dentist. Uh, I think um, even like maybe when you graduated, you don't have access to this much information and this many resources as, as you know, graduates today do. We come out of school and, um, you know, obviously like there's YouTube, there's Instagram, uh, there's online forums that, you know, have been around for a bit longer. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just a great way for us to connect. If you have any questions, you can post it up and, you know, within like, you know, half an hour, an hour, you have, you know, dentists from around the world uh, giving their input and, and giving, uh, saying what they think. Um, so I think it's a great time for us to be learning and, and progressing our work. So I think uh, 
the opportunity is there for people who want to take it. Um, and it's pretty readily available. So, um, I do appreciate, you know, uh, your time for coming on the podcast and talking. Uh, there was a cool thing that we did with the uh, Instagram live. Uh, hopefully I want to start doing that a little bit more frequently uh, and try to try not work out the glitches a little bit. So it's a little bit smoother next time. Um, but definitely I will, I'll put the, uh, ingenious and the alter reality stuff from Avaclar on the show notes, uh, when the podcast comes up. Uh, so people can check it out. Um, what's the best way for uh, the listeners to uh, reach out to you if they have any questions or anything like that that uh, they want to be in contact with you about? Well, you can obviously you know go to my Instagram. You can message yep. me on there at the Todd Snyder uh, DDS. Yeah. Uh, and also my racing profile page, which is the <laughs> Todd, Todd one? Snyder I One. Oh, I haven't seen that. You one. don't have that one? No. Todd, Snyder, Todd Snyder One. Yeah. Okay. The what number, are you racing Todd these Snyder, days? Then the number one. Uh, right now we're, um, we're in hiatus. The season starts in May. So yeah. we're uh, talking to sponsors, trying to get back there. And we, we, uh, last year had held, um, lectures at the racetrack. So people would come out and get some dental lectures, CE yeah. credits and whatnot, but also watch the races. Um, but Todd Snyder one is that one. The other okay. place they can go, obviously is they can go on, you know, Facebook and, uh, I post stuff there, uh, yeah. or they can certainly, you know, email me. Um, okay. so you can give out my email at doc, which is D O C at, tcsdental.com and uh, they're always welcome to write me there and depending on um, how many people bombard me I can certainly get <laughs> back to people but uh, yeah. we'll see after going going viral with the podcast here <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how we do so I really appreciate it thank you again thank you so much again for uh, for coming on uh, I hope we can do this again sometime and we'll try it to live again and and do sort of like an update to see where, how things are going. Um, like I mentioned to you, I'm moving back to uh, to Australia in a few weeks here. Um, so that's why I find it's like an exciting opportunity for me because it's like a fresh start. I can go there and, and you know, sort of apply everything I'm learning and everything I'm learning from, you know, all the guests on the podcast who are doing great things. Uh, well, try- here's what... Yeah. Here's what I would challenge you with, depending on what your confidence level, yeah. you know, once you, once you feel good and, and you're obviously comfortable talking here, you know, but I think nowadays if I was a young dentist, cause they're always going, Oh, I got so much debt coming out of school. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. open my own practice. And I go, you know what? Yeah. I probably had, you know, a hundred grand of debt coming out of school. And then yeah. I opened an office and, and dropped like another 400 grand of money from loans. So I'm a half a million in debt and I've built out, you know, a big 1400 square foot place with five ops. Yeah, you don't have to do that necessarily. You could only build two of the ops out, or you could start with a smaller place. But you don't need all the infrastructure. Like yeah. I said, you can save so much money nowadays that I, I think opening an office from scratch nowadays is not as tough as it sounds, uh, provided you don't go into an area where there's a ton of people. Yeah, the but it could be done. Yeah. yeah, you got to do a demographics study. You got to look at it like a business. You can't just go out there not knowing anything about business, just pop up a For shop. Sure. Yeah, but if you, it, I think you know, depending on where you go. You could open a very small office with literally like two chairs mm-hmm. and uh, minimal uh, product and make a huge splash that you're doing something different and then expand that and either have the room to expand in that suite or get a different suite somewhere yeah. else. Uh, I, I totally would do that nowadays. I, yeah, uh, I think that's a great thing. But what do you think would you, Because and that's something that I have thought about, but the problem is starting from scratch nowadays, obviously depending on the area you're in, um, it's going to take a long time for that patient base to build up to where you have like a sustainable sort of income. Would you still keep an associateship position for one or two days a week or two, three days a week uh, just to have that income source while the practice grows? Or would you just go hundred percent and just go all into a practice? Yeah. So I worked two days a week 
uh, that basically helped support my office when I was in here three days a week. And I was here, you know, eight, you know, eight o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning till like 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, just yeah. constantly working on stuff, putting stuff together and practicing yeah. and doing things. And mm-hmm. when you don't have patience, that means you go outside and you talk Yeah. because the more people you talk to, the more bodies you get in your chair. 50% mm-hmm. of people have a dentist. The other 50 don't. And instantly everyone says, oh, I got this problem or that problem. It's easy to get patients when you have time to go talk. Once you get to the tipping point of you don't have time to go talk to people, now you now have enough bodies in your office that now they're doing the work for you. And there's ways to do that too. Word of mouth. But yeah. yeah. I mean, all you need is a couple patients a month. You know, so that like the first month you get six patients. If you can generate $5,000, you know, that's enough money typically to pay the bills. Yeah. And, uh, you know, depending on how big your student loans are, if you can defer some of it or whatever, uh, or get a small business loan where you have some working capital. Yeah. You know, I think any office, if you're in business for six months, you should have enough money coming in at six months mark that you should be fine, provided you didn't go to a very horrible place with a bunch of dentists competing <laughs> all at rock yeah. bottom prices. So I think it's doable yeah. uh, because you could open literally like a little like, you know, <laughs> 400 square foot office with two ops and a small reception room and have literally like one computer or two computers that are portable. Yeah, and just have some killer technology. You don't need all the stuff that we used to have to have. It's, it's nice because things are getting more affordable too. Like we like we mentioned, um, you can sort of get there's little hacks here and there that you can get things for a little bit cheaper or um, yeah, like off label use for like some technology that you can get like for like non dental specific. So it's a little bit cheaper as well. Um, mm-hmm. So you can have like pretty low overhead. I think if you if you want to go that route. Um, yep. it's not a bad option, definitely food for thought and something that, uh, I should consider, but, uh, the problem is, so what time frame though, do you think is still worthwhile? Like say, for example, if I'm there, when I open a practice, um, but I have to move back like to Canada after like four years, is that worthwhile still? Do you think? Cause you've sort of built up some equity, you gain some momentum and then you got to sort of sell, sell the practice and move on. Well, you know, there's a lot of variables there as far as if you open from scratch and did some stuff, yeah, you've got something to sell, yeah, which is nice versus working for someone else. Yeah, you may pocket money yeah. and, and but what type of dentistry did you get to do? Mm-hmm. And did you get, your, you know, did you get to you know really push kind of the business model of what you may do if you're going to go back to Canada? If you're going to go back to Canada and stay in Canada, well, then that's a great model to have tried and see, you know, where you might alter or change things for the yeah, next go around. Yeah, once. Like, yeah, like we said, everything's experience, right? So if you don't yeah, do it. You're, yeah, you're nervous as hell. You're going, oh, yeah. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you've done it, and which it's easier once you've done it. And I have. And I go, yeah, yeah, no problem. I can do it again. Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely concerns in the beginning. But if you break off a very small piece that's easier to chew, then it's, I, I think, a lot you know more simple than buying some huge Taj Mahal and going <laughs> bankrupt because you couldn't get enough patients. Yeah. But th- think if all you need is like maybe one Invisalign case a month, mm-hmm. um, you know, two, three crowns in a month, a couple fillings, a couple cleanings. I did my own cleanings for the first year and a half or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's not that hard to make a buck in dentistry. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if you can do it with a small footprint, you know, a little shopping center and you got a tiny little, you know, storefront or whatever to start yeah. that people can see you and you just treat them differently than every, than every other dentist that they've been to has been doing, yeah. you know, you can make it work and you know, you don't have to be on insurance plans, you know, that's kind of a headache, but you have to at least be able to bill to PPO insurance plans. I don't know how it is in other countries, obviously, but yeah. in the States, you have to be able to bill to a PPO. So that's easy to do, whether you're in network or out of network, out of network, I found to be easier. And I still do to this day mm-hmm. out of network. I can charge any fee I want. So when yeah. I charge off to their insurance company, if they pay a great amount, that's wonderful. If they pay a very small amount, they're going, well, I, 
I could have paid less if I went to an in, in-network provider. Hmm. Well, that's fine. You can always waive your fee and hmm. waive it down to what they would have paid in it as an in-network provider. Yeah. And say, well, I'll, I'll meet the same as the other guy because you like coming here. So let yeah. me hook you up. You do that for a few years. They love you. They're going to stay with you. And then if you decide to slowly raise some fees, they're still going to stick around. Yeah. You know, um, so there's ways to yeah. play the game. People are too, too scared to get off insurances, mm-hmm. um, which in my mind, that's part of the reason that they're doing so poorly is they're too scared. They don't have the confidence to get out of that and do something different. Um, but that's everyone's awesome got a different stuff. business yeah. model, you know? So that's if great. you're going to go down to Australia, it might not be a bad thing to do, but I you know, would certainly be working somewhere else maybe a day or two a week just to give me some supplemental pocket change Exactly, yeah. Um, uh, to maybe carry over the first couple months. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a problem so long as you don't go right in the smack dab of, let's say, Melbourne with you know, a couple other hundred dentists all right on every corner around you. I don't know how it is. but Yeah, no, it's the same. You know. Yeah, so similar. To, I mean, it's not as bad as uh, California, I don't think. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I think most big cities are now pretty saturated. But like, I, I'm actually, that's, um, I'm pretty uh, pumped up about what you're telling me right now. It was getting me thinking a little bit and, and getting me excited to sort of explore that a little bit. Because I have always wanted like, uh, my plan was initially like in school, like I was really focused on the business side of things. And that's something that yeah. is my main interest. Um, obviously working now and, and because I knew I was sort of going back to Australia after a year or so of being in Canada again, um, I, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to open anything in that space of time, but um, being there for three or four years, I think it might be worthwhile. Maybe like you said, to open up a small shop, uh, kind of a boutique kind of place where you can keep uh, staff numbers down and keep everything in house kind of thing. And, and, trying to spend a whole lot of money, but do the type of work that you want to do and, and build it out. Um, be your own boss. I think that's all sounds uh, very promising and pretty cool to do. So, uh, well, well, the other uh, thing is, is your, is this the site? Don't go overboard on the site. And if you, if things don't work out well, well then, you know, you can break your lease agreement. You can take yeah. your dental chair, you can take your portable computer, your x-rays, your mm-hmm. intro camera, everything else and walk away and you're not really out anything. Yeah. Versus, nowadays or when i was doing it you build everything out everything's attached to the walls and everything else and you're screwed kind of <laughs> yeah, you know so nowadays true. like yeah, i could walk away from it and not be out much of anything yeah um so i think it's a good time to do that and i think the other thing is it becomes great for you if you do it now it becomes a great you know talking point for you to do more you know speaking on how does these young guys come out of school and do it yeah well, let me tell you <laughs> it's exactly what snyder said i did it it worked let me show you what i did and how yeah. i made it my own and maybe did something a little different mm-hmm. um so there's another opportunity. That's awesome. No, I really appreciate that. Now, uh, something I want to start looking into because uh, I had that thought, but this is like a little, little fire under me. So uh, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for, uh, for cool. coming on and passing on some wisdom and, and uh, getting me pumped up a little bit here. Uh, hopefully the listeners get pumped up from it as well. And we can see some, uh, some people starting to take some action and start to do things uh, their own way that they want to do down the line. I love it. I hope I help some people. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll do this again soon. All right. Take care. We'll see you on Instagram. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye.